0: Perhaps you uh, have heard about the the meme or the story that came out of a, I think it was a Starbucks, where um, someone decided to tell the barista to um, write their name on the cup, as they usually do, um, to write, the Lord be with you. And so when the barista uh, shouted out the name, the Lord be with you, apparently a bunch of Episcopalians and Starbucks shouted back, and also with you, <laughs> which I thought was Pretty amazing, and if any of you want to try that with me, we should head on down to Starbucks later. (laughs) But that really has nothing to do with my sermon, other than to say that I have another story about a coffee shop. So a coffee shop recently placed um, two tip jars on their counter, their cashier counter, and each had a little chalkboard in front of the jar with a category that was distinctly different from the other tip jar. heard this on a podcast called Invisibilia. The goal was to see how people would tip when forced to choose between two divergent categories. So one day might be cassette versus tape. Another day might be, uh, or I'm sorry, tape versus vinyl. Another day might be Samsung versus Apple or Batman versus Superman course, Batman wins every time there. My personal favorite, puppies versus kittens. Is there any competition there, really? And we could add in our own, of course, Tennessee versus Western Virginia. (laughs) Sam Adams versus Superman. I think we know who'd win. So besides making more in tips, they saw how people, when faced with these two categories, actually thought reductively when forced to choose between them. And it demonstrated the power of categories, namely that when people are forced to categorize reality, how they understand reality determines so much of their behavior and the way they frame others around them consequently. So here's another category I want to put in front of you today, especially in light of our readings, spiritual versus religious. Now, you've probably heard of this categorization, and I wonder how you would describe yourself, where you might fit. And we might also ask, what is assumed by these categories used so often in popular discourse? Maybe you've seen the video that was really popular on social media some years back about being, I'm a spiritual but not religious. This is a real popular video, and uh, I mean, it was powerful in a lot of ways. And so... Usually what people mean in this sort of uh, dichotomy by being spiritual is uh, that's equal to being authentic or open or non-judgmental, tolerant of others, eclectic, not affiliated with the denomination, or free thinking. These are some of the, I think, the presuppositions connected with uh, the spiritual side. Religious, on the other hand, at least in this video, equals being hypocritical, Or superficial, constrained by dogma or doctrine, tethered to a denomination, and unconcerned with the plight of real people, especially the marginalized. Now, this sort of idea gets a lot of traction, and I want to ask simply are these categories accurate and are they even fair? And to answer this, we need to speak a little bit about what James says this morning about religion and what it means to be religious. So first, James says that religion and being religious is reflected in what we say about one another and how we speak about each other as well. So in verse 26, he writes, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue or her tongue, but deceives their own heart, this one's religion is useless. Strong words from James there. So to be clear, there is a way of being religious, James says, that is useless. It is the religion embodied in improper speech of others. In fact, one scholar will write that speech matters permeates the epistle. In fact, some 46% of the letters, 108 verses and arresting 43% of the letter touch upon speech matters in one fashion or another. He concludes, but otherwise... Two out of every five verses in James have something to do with speaking. Well, we speak a lot. So this is something that, you know, might catch our attention. Simply put, when we talk about or gossip or even intentionally or unintentionally put down those that we walk to the altar with, or anyone for that matter, then James would say that we are failing to embody a religion that is not only words, but deeds. In fact, we prove that our religion really is only words, dangerous words, in fact, because our deeds demonstrate this very point, that we have not, as James has said, been slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to listen. Instead, we've deceived ourselves, he writes, being a hearer only and not a doer. Now, we might also just, as a caveat, say this does not include smack talk of college football. But elsewhere, James states that the tongue, it's like a spark of fire in a dry forest setting it ablaze. It has the power that is like a rudder of a ship where the tongue goes, all those on the boat go as well. By the way, this is why we say the peace each Sunday to be driven from the waters of chaos to the secure shores of the peace found in Christ. It's an opportunity to speak. Peace, the peace that is found in Christ. So those who are self-described as spiritual are right to react against this kind of verbal danger and division that James addresses. This kind of religion is useless. But this is critical here. James' entire point is that it's actually no religion in the first place. It's a distortion of religion. Instead, in verse 27, he gives the alternative. He provides the definition of what true religion is, and this forms the thesis for his entire letter for his epistle. He writes, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. In other words, James writes, this is religion, concern for the marginalized on the one hand, and also a life committed to personal holiness, to holiness in community, in relationships. Well, that makes me want to reclaim religion. I don't know about you, but I want to be both spiritual and religious in the way that James says. And if we survey all of Scripture, we see this elsewhere in Isaiah as well. This is not just a New Testament teaching. Scriptures tell us that real religion, right religion, it's grounded in right worship, right belief. But if we don't have love of the most vulnerable, James says, then our train hasn't even left the station. And this is because we follow a God who holds that those who are often rejected or unseen or unheard are worthy of infinite investment. James builds on this, saying that pure and undefiled religion spins itself on the ones that we find least valuable in the world, the very ones that we're most likely to overlook. And Jesus cares about this because he knew what it was like to be unwanted. He knew what it was like to be a refugee whose parents were forced to flee their town of Nazareth to go to Egypt in order to escape militant violence from oppressive forces. Now, it's important to notice that those who self-describe as spiritual and not religious are usually in many ways reacting against forms of institutionalized religion that are, to be sure, against what Christ actually desires. This is what we see in the gospel reading. He's calling out those who would uphold traditions of man that don't lead to the righteousness that God desires. And so Jesus calls them out for being a farce, for being a fake. Well, this is precisely what James is saying too. Don't merely say it, do it. And we know from the pages of Scripture that Jesus himself was religious in all the right ways, redeeming that word. He attended worship. He prayed regularly. He was nourished in personal relationship with the Father and the Spirit. He called for strange religious rituals like baptism and the Eucharist. Important traditions, not empty traditions like the Pharisees. Because ultimately, to conclude The worst distortion of religion anyone can commit, I'm convinced, according to Jesus, is to keep religion spiritual and disembodied instead of making it flesh and blood. In other words, the danger of being spiritual but not religious in the way that James envisions is that it disembodies our faith. It vacates it of any social impact. This is because Jesus requires of us not no religion, but a religion in which the Word becomes flesh, in which He came to save sinners, but to save them into a community, into a world where they're likewise living and proclaiming the good news. So, do you want to be daring? Do you want to be revolutionary? Then I would say, don't settle for just being spiritual, be religious. Pursue pure religion with James and with Jesus. Pursue a life given to others, both in holiness of speech and holiness of service. And when we fall short, which we will often, know that God stands ready to forgive us because ultimately it is only him. It is only his love. It is only his hope, which embodies pure religion to the fullest degree. So we place our trust in him. Amen.